Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. So some of you know that the mayor of Phoenix and I had a little bet. Oh, really? Oh, God. And we won, of course, without a doubt. But the Wilson basketball um, company that has his offices literally right across the street also got in on the action. And I just want to say they've come through in a big way. They have pledged to give 100 basketballs to a Chicago public school of of the sky's choosing. So thank you, Wilson. Tony up, Tony up, Tony up, Tony up, Tony up. Whoopie doopie doo. A hundred basketballs. I, I'm sorry, D. Every time you play that, I just like, oh my God. Oh my God. They're giving us a hundred basketball. How many schools are in the city of Chicago? That's not even one basket. Uh, uh, sorry, school over here. You're not getting a basketball. Maybe ba- I bought more basketballs in my day than Wilson for the Chicago public. I used to walk around the, you didn't know my mother was a coach. I look like Santa Claus. I had a bag filled with basketballs. It's all the bad basketballs that from the factory. Like, why why does this <laughs> basketball have no lines? <laughs> oh my god, they act like you're so dumb, Chicago. <laughs> Guess what? They're giving us a basketball. No! Oh my god. All right, now Ben, I'm looking at our levels here. It looks like you're coming in a lot louder. I'm coming in a lot lower. Ooh. Let me let me adjust this here. You okay. know, you're a lot louder. I'm a lot lower. All right, okay. I'm gonna jump in the shower and listen to that later. All right, your Ben Jarosky show for Wednesday, June fifteenth is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, <laughs> Illinois, Indiana. So some of you know. All right, uh. the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Ooh. Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things. There is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K. Why? <laughs> That's a new thing I'm doing there. You like that? That why? I, I love that it. Why thing? Uh, uh, there was a guy. This goes way, way back in time. Uh, no one will remember this. He used to go news radio seventy eight, and that was way before. Shoot, you're channeling him without realizing it. You're oh. channeling John Madigan. I think is the new radio news radio seventy eight. Any relation to uh, Mike Madigan? Actually, I no, but I believe, and don't quote me on this. His daughter's Amy Madigan became a um, movie star. But I'm so uncertain about that that don't anybody quote me. All right. We'll, we'll have to debate if we edit this one out. The Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show starts now. It is Wednesday, June 15th, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, the levels are good, 
Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Turning Into My Mother Wednesday. And here's why. Because with each passing day, I turn more and more into my mother. That's why. You too? <laughs> well, you're not turning into my mother. You're turning into your mother. Well, I don't uh, know. Uh, <laughs> uh, my mom, may she rest in peace, my dear mom. Everybody knows I'm a mama's boy. Everyone knows. Betty, you're a mama's boy. Uh, but anyway, uh, a couple ways I'm turning into my mother. I've been thinking about this. One has to do with today's guest, uh, the distinguished jur- journalist Monroe Anderson, who, for reasons I will never understand, decided he wasn't going to answer his phone this morning when I called for our famous pre-show um, prep, which with Monroe usually just delves into old arguments we've been having and discussions and debates since forever uh and um are about as productive in terms of the show as my pre-show planning sessions with young dennis uh where we talk about norm mcdonald bits uh from the past and like hey wait a minute we gotta go on the air in five minutes we're not gonna be able to use any of this oh my god <laughs> He's a hog farmer, ladies. Anyway, but for some reason, Monroe wasn't answering his phone today. So here's where I was turning to my mom. In the in the in the latter years of her life, the whenever my mom would call me, and I wouldn't answer. She'd get worried, and then she would call back if I didn't. You know, lots of times I'd be on the phone, so I couldn't answer the phone. Or sometimes I, mean, I don't take a shower. Maybe I didn't hear the phone. Whatever. So she, I'm so worried. Where are you? <laughs> call me. She was like one step away from calling the police. And I used to like roll my eyes. I go, come on, Ma. But Ma, I'm turning into you. I was so worried about Monroe D. I'm like, where's Monroe? He's not answering. I must have called. I think I called 15 times. That's one five. He finally answered his phone to say, I'll call you back in five minutes. Oh, he's such a busy guy, that Monroe Anderson. Anyway, he's safe and sound and. He'll be eventually uh, reaching out to us. Uh, And uh, by the way, um, uh, the opening uh, bit, uh, which was from the Chicago Sky victory party for when when I said July or whenever, when uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Governor J.B. Pritzker showed up to celebrate the Sky winning the championship. Uh, They defeated uh, the Phoenix Mercury. By chance today, uh, Maya Goldberg-Sapphire will be our guest. Uh, she's a journalist here in town who's spent a lot of time covering Brittany, Brittany Griner's uh, detention in Moscow. So, it's D, you didn't even know that. And it's amazing how the wavelengths work. And so some so- of you know that the mayor of Phoenix and I had a little bet. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, uh, and uh, so that's interesting little tidbit. And the other way I'm turning to my mom is that um, my mother was uh, obsessed with politics. Of course, I guess that's where I got it. Uh, and uh, she would always have me uh, do a cheat sheet, and then we would study the candidates and like who should we eat, all the way down to like the judges. You know, I mean, we we it was an extensive cheat sheet. Every vote is precious. That's my mom, t- you got your vote. It's a sacred vote. Who should I vote for? Uh, and uh, so we would have a lot of fun uh, putting together a cheat sheet. Well, I've been putting together a cheat sheet. Uh, so uh, our judges, and here's the deal. So Maya Dukmasova, my partner in crime, now uh, used to work at The Reader. Now she works at Injustice Watch. And they put together an absolutely fantastic guide to the judges. 
which I just can't sing its praises enough. I've taken the deep dive uh, into it. So it doesn't just tell you like which judge is recommended by which panel of experts. No, it gives you like the histories of the judges, like what they're, what they did as private uh, lawyers before they were judges. Uh, in some cases they're not even judges yet. So, and what they did, how they ruled as judges in interesting cases. I find it absolutely uh, fascinating. Uh, and I spent at least an hour, the hour that I was waiting for Monroe Anderson to pick up his phone, I put to good use. I didn't just sit here and cry because he wasn't answering his phone. Uh, although I was, as I said, ladies and gentlemen, one step away calling 911 to report uh, Monroe's missing. Um, but I put it to good use. I took the deep dive. And so Maya will be on the show next week. We're going to take the deep dive with her. But I urge all you political junkies out there, and I know if you're listening to my show, you're a political junkie. Do yourself a favor. Make a consequential effort to understand who you're voting for for the judges. There's no excuse anymore. I, I'm, I'm telling you, this guide, when you click on it, uh, it'll tell you, like, like this lawyer, this, this lawyer represented charter schools. Who would know that? You know, you're coming before a judge and this judge, I, I can't remember this particular candidate's name. This is just off the top of my mind. Represented charter schools. Now you go, well, Ben, I love charter schools. That's going to make me vote for that judge. Okay, fine. Knock yourself out. But maybe other people like don't have such a great attitude about charter schools. So it's just very interesting and compelling to realize the obvious that the judges have a life before they come to the bench. And the life they led may, I don't know, be an indication of what kind of judge they are. Just saying. So fascinating, uh, uh, fascinating reading uh, for any, like I said, political junkie. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on the great, the legendary Monroe Anderson. Yes, I was. I already talked about this, Monroe, before you came on the air. I was very worried about your health and your state of being because you you didn't pick up the 15 times I called this man today 15 times and apparently Monroe was uh, up uh, on his roof smoking a doobie and just lost in space uh, I just made up the doobie part of it uh, so anyway you're you look healthy Monroe everything okay everything's good it's, it's good and and uh, you should know that what happens in the political world is they shop judges. That's how much they know. They know which judges have a, a sympathy or are antagonistic for stuff. So, so good, good lawyers shop judges that, that they figure be favorable to whatever they're doing. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh my goodness, this is really on my mind. Jim Coogan, shout out to you. I just this uh, weekend, Monroe, I'm upset. I love Jim, uh, John Grisham novels, and I love uh, particularly the movies that they make out of them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I watched The Rainmaker. My wife and I watched it. I love that movie. Matt Damon plays the young crusader, John Grisham style uh, lawyer. That's pretty much the hero in every one of these. But you're so right. So many of these cases are about getting the right judge so yeah. many of these john grisham novels are about getting the right judge uh and yes it's it's it can mean the kiss of death uh for uh, a, a litigant obviously a plaintiff so you hope that ju uh, justice is blind monroe but in reality as we're seeing with the supremes 
I see you, Clarence Thomas, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, Sam Alito, uh, and uh, Neil Gorsuch. Uh, Justice, their, their eyes are wide open, and uh, they're doing and something. They're, they're wearing see-through blindfolds. <laughs> they're cheating. <laughs> they can see. Exactly. All right, so much to discuss uh, before we bring uh, Maya Goldberg, Sapphire on the talk, Brittany Griner. Uh, and um, wow, Monroe, uh, uh, there's two things that are happening at once. Uh, it kind of overwhelmed my mind. That's why I was calling you so passionately this morning to talk about them. Uh, but we'll do it now on the air. Uh, one, of course, is the ongoing congressional investigation into January 6th, the insurrection, which uh, was all based on a huge lie and the lie, which was perpetrated by Donald Trump with the help of Rudy Giuliani, uh, is that he, Donald Trump, won the election when, of course, he got he got uh, trounced in the election by Joe Biden. Uh, and the reality is that despite all the evidence that the Democrats and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, two Republicans, uh, have been presenting to show uh, to what we all knew was the truth, that this is the whole election lie put out by Trump is a lie. Uh, 75% of Republicans believe it now. It's like Donald Trump said the sun rises in the West, so they go, okay, if Donald Trump said so, we're going to believe it. Uh, and that was indicative uh, yesterday with uh, the results on some of these Republican primaries. I'm going to run through, get your thoughts on it, uh, Monroe. So yesterday there were Republican primaries in South Carolina, uh, Nevada. There was an election in Texas. Let's uh, deal with South Carolina first. Fascinating case. Uh, there was a congresswoman named Nancy Mace. And uh, she, this is like, I'm putting this in quotes, the good news out of South Carolina. So Nancy Mace spoke out against Donald Trump, Monroe. spoke. Out. She dared to criticize Donald Trump in the aftermath of January 6th, the insurrection. We all saw the insurrection. We all saw MAGA try to uh, break in. They broke into Congress with the idea that they were going to threaten Mike Pence with, with death if he didn't um, elect Donald Trump. OK, overturned the voters and elected. We all saw it. Uh, so Nancy uh, made she she a different type. She said she was a different type of Republican. Yes. Well, then what happened was uh, she saw the uh, that uh, MAGA was sticking with Trump. So she kind of backed away from that, didn't vote for uh, impeachment. Right. Monroe. But she she's still on the record for having criticized him. MAGA went after her. Even though and she was backing away, backing away, Nikki Haley endorsed her. She was backing away. She won. She beat a MAGA. Uh, yeah, what she did was she went to Trump Tower and apologized in front of Trump Tower. That <laughs> I mean, is it, pathetic. He's talking about bowing and scraping. <laughs> that is just pathetic. That so I don't even know if that's the good news. Having when you present it like that, Monroe, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like, oh, all right, we forgive you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the uh, the other uh, significant race in contrast in South Carolina, uh, Congressman uh, Tom R uh, Rice, who actually voted uh, to impeach Donald Trump, saw what happened. He was he was he was there watching all his other little MAGA Republicans hiding under the desk and running away into the basement because they were afraid of their lives because these lunatics were on the loose. 
and then uh, he voted for impeachment. Trump came in and campaigned against him. A dude named Russell Fry beat him pretty decisively, 54% to about 25%. That's a decisive victory right. uh, in a primary. And that just goes to show you in South Carolina, uh, it is all Donnie Trump. And, 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 and the good thing for him, though, is he said if he had to do it, he'd do it all over again because he was in, he was in support of the Constitution, not an individual. So he was what's now the rare Republican with principles. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting if he ran as an independent in the general. I don't know if it's possible. I, I don't know the intricacies of South Carolina election law. Uh, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I know you think I know everything. Some people think I know everything about everything, but uh, that's not the case. But it'd be interesting if he could run as an independent because he might be able to squeak out a victory in a three-way race. You know what I'm saying, Monroe? Uh, yeah, well, they have they have the 51, 50% rule. If you get 50%, um, then you don't. That's it. Got it's it. all over. Uh, and, uh, and Fry ended up with 51 percent, I think, of the vote. Oh, it fell to fifty-one. The early ones I had was fifty-four. No, I'm just saying in in the general election, November. He, I, I don't know what the law is in uh, South. Carolina. Yeah, no, I don't think you can, you can run. I no, see. but he 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 was he had been in Congress for ten years, so that means he had won five five elections. Yeah. And and um, Trump just put the kibosh on him. Yeah, no, and it's and, and we'll get into some of the other races. Uh, it's scary. I I, um, I find it frightening. You know, I mean, there's a mob uh, in the Congress. They're waving Confederate flags. Some of well, them you have, know, we'll have Nazi we'll flags. Have, yeah, we'll have to see about what happens in the general. Although in these um, these gerrymandered districts. Then whoever wins the Republican primary right. is going to be the candidate. Yeah. So we, we're we're going to have some Cunans um, and some some Trump cultists in the in in in, uh, in Washington. Yeah, and and so let me just uh, take this opportunity one more time to uh, impress a point that Monroe and I agree on. We're both in favor. Of getting, rid of, of getting rid of gerrymandering on a federal level, on a national level, and having fair elections. But we both realize that the Republicans will never agree to that in the national election because, by and large, the gerrymandering system works well for them state by state if you add it all up. And that is why the biggest suckers and saps in the political world, I believe, are Democrats in Illinois. Oh, I'm a good government reformer who wants to get rid of gerrymandering in Illinois. Ben, it's the principle. Oh, what about Michigan? Well, I don't. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Sometimes good government reformer types really irritate the hell out of me. Yeah, same here. Uh, the reform is good, but you can't you you can't bring a butter knife to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. And the reformers don't even want to bring a butter knife. Uh, ben, I don't know about the butter knife. Can we just all get along? Uh, Illinois reformers are a pathetic bunch. All right, uh, moving on. Let's uh, go to Texas. Uh, Monroe wanted to talk about this. The 34th uh, Congressional District, a special election, but Southern Texan, Texas, near the uh, the border with Mexico. And um, 
uh, Mayera Flores was victorious over uh, her uh, Democratic opponent. Uh, and this is interesting. This is a district that the incumbent, follow me in this, ladies and gentlemen, the incumbent was a Democrat who stepped aside. So it was a special election just to fill out that term. Uh, this is a district of largely Hispanic American voters who have been moving right. They love Donald Trump. Good God. And uh, they're worried about the border. <laughs> I mean, all their forefathers crossed the border. So apparently they weren't worried about the border when their ancestors came over. Isn't this interesting, Monroe? But now they're really worried about the border. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Crabs in a barrel. Yes. Yeah. Explain and that. Also, That's Harold Washington taught me that. Right. You know, and it's, 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 um, Clarence Thomas, who only got to where he is through affirmative action, and now he's completely against it. But the other factor, well, there was this book written 30 some years ago called How the Italians Became White, Uh, where in in Europe they weren't considered to be white. Well, people weren't considering color very much, period. But they got over here and uh, they became white people. Many, not all, but many Mexicans either think they're white or want to be white. So it's the same mentality. And they have this, they have similarities to what Republicans lie about that they have. You know, family values, uh, good Christians, that sort of thing. Well, uh, Mexicans have that. And so the Republicans appeal to them for that reason, you know, and, and I don't even know how anybody would believe that Trump has any of those values, but they do. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. That is that that last sentence sums it up. Uh, that here's a guy who is uh, cheating on every uh, woman he was married to has is accused right now of rape, and somehow or other he represents family values. You've lost your mind, MAGA. You've lost your mind. And I, it's just, you have lost your mind. Just well, they've, created, they've created this echo chamber, thanks to Fox, where they put out this fiction and lies um, all the time. And it's, 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 it's repeated and repeated and repeated. And, that, and when that's all you're hearing, it becomes the reality. Yeah. No, for example, Fox didn't air the first um, hearing on on the January sixth committee. They just they they counter programmed and they counter programmed so hard that they didn't they ran they 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 didn't run commercials during that time when they were doing their counter programming <laughs> for fear that when you, when they cut to commercials. Um, their audience would turn to one of the the road blocking stations yeah. that had had the hearings on, and yeah. find that more interesting. Or, or find no, I didn't know about that. Uh, I did not know about that blocking commercials, uh, and they were they were willing uh, to lose whatever money they get from those commercials uh, just to push the company line. 
right. uh, keep as many people watching the company and listening to the company line. That's that's uh, it's just interesting. Uh, I'm sure they're not going to do it on a regular basis uh, for Google. You know, they ran the second one. Yeah. So interesting. I, I think because they realized that um, the truth was out there. <laughs> 20 million uh, viewers just on TV. That does, yeah. That's not even the that. And then there's all the people like me who didn't watch it live, but then watched it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and, and there were reports in the newspapers, yeah. the local papers that are on the local station. I mean, there's not anything that you, you can just completely block out. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I think it's really important uh, for us to recognize the, uh, uh, the challenge that Democrats are facing and it, we'll, we'll go on this a little further, but the challenge that we're facing, uh, the other side is unrelenting. Uh, the other side concedes nothing. Uh, the other side, when they lose declares that they won. Uh, then they say laws need to be changed to protect, uh, uh non-existent theft from happening again. And then they they're going to go no, out and change, them, they have change no the laws. Shame. Yes. They have no shame whatsoever about what they're doing. I mean, Absolutely. they're cheating and they're proud of it. Yeah. And uh, that sound you heard is our next guest coming in, but we're going to hold off bringing her on unless she wants to dive into this conversation. Uh, Maya Goldberg, uh, Sapphire, who's our correspondent covering Brittany Griner. Uh, so we'll bring her on in a little bit. Unless, I, as I said, she wants to jump in on this conversation. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, just to, re to fill it out, uh, Monroe, uh, Flores, who is the Victoria's uh, candidate, the Republican Victoria's candidate running on a... Uh, a platform of God, family, country. That was her. Um, that was her declaration uh, in Spanish. And, in Spanish, yeah. And lawlessness. I guess you could add lawlessness uh, to that. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, so she is filling out. It's, so she has a special election. Uh, the, the the new district. There will be a new. Uh, there will be election in November uh, under with new boundaries. So it's not known if uh, she will be uh, seated. Uh, in Congress come January uh, when the showdown will occur. Will the Democrats maintain their hold of Congress? It looks a little precarious right now. So uh, that that's good news if you're a, a MAGA lunatic, uh, bad news for the sane world. Uh, and then finally, we get down to Nevada, uh, where uh, a, a gentleman named Jim Marchant, uh, was victorious in the race for secretary of state. Uh, and uh, he is uh, an election denier. That's what they call him. I call it an election liar. Uh, and uh, so he's one of these Republicans, Monroe, who insists uh, that there was non-existent theft uh, in the 2020 presidential election and is determined to correct something that didn't exist, which really means just uh, making it more difficult for black people to vote and doing whatever you can uh, to keep Democrats from winning. That's essentially what this means. Uh, he's victorious. He is the Republican candidate for secretary of state. He will be writing and controlling uh, the election procedure. If that isn't a bold attempt, Monroe, uh, to do through elect elections what the insurrectionists tried to do through mob rule, mob uh, tactics. I don't know what else it is. Uh, and so I'm hoping that people in Nevada are, are paying attention to this. Well, that's, you know, that's the game plan. I mean, I, it, it, it's, it's Bannon has been on his podcast, has been telling people for months to run for 
um, everything so that they can influence from the, from the grassroots up, run for everything, uh, uh, all the Trump nuts supposed to do that. And so we're going to have a lot of Republicans in key positions in um, contested states that are going to look good, look bad, and do bad. However, okay, some days I wake up an optimist. (laughs) (laughs) And what I'm seeing with the January 6th committee and with the Department of Justice is that Republicans are going to be going to jail like hip uh, rappers and street gang members before it's over. They're going to they, they they're going to they they're going to they're they already the proud boys. Some are already jailed. Some have, conf- have confessed and um all those people who were involved with January 6th up to Trump, and by that I mean medals and and um, all, all the Republicans, the Republicans that gave tours the day before the riots, the insurrection, they're all are going to jail. Yeah, oh. Trump is probably, I'm, uh, in my heart of hearts, I yeah, pray that I, Trump is going to jail too, but it's that's going to be a hard one, a hard one to pull over. So uh, that, you've been making that prediction for a while. I know yeah. my listeners are going to jump in and say that you've been making it. Yeah, that well, I know. Uh, but I made way, I made the prediction that he's going to get impeached for a while too. If you yeah, recall. yes, I do. Uh, and by the way, I have to jump in and just uh, give uh, a tip of the hat to Sergio Mims, a dear friend of Monroe and mine, comes on the show, uh, and. I scoffed at him. Scoff, I, he was like, he, I, he declared that he didn't believe Joe Biden was going to run for re-election. I was like, oh, my God, Sergio, let's make a bet so you can owe me breakfast at that pancake house in Hyde Park that I love. And I'll, I'm going to pick Monroe up. We'll go together. Uh, and although I don't think Monroe will get in a car with me after I had COVID for at least another month. Anyway, uh, so, uh, and then what do I see in a newspaper, uh, Monroe? But uh, articles, you know, it's it's all just people whispering but uh oh, that he's not, oh yeah no but you can't go by that you can't go by that that's that's democrats um whose knees are knocking <laughs> so that so they're doing hopeful wishing that he won't run yeah. but I, but but the thing is if he doesn't run and trump runs who are the democrats going to pick that could beat trump biden is the only democrat in the in the country that has actually beaten Trump. Yeah. No, I, I I at this stage, I just think you just prop Joe Biden up and and it's the same choice. Uh right. Americans have to face uh, the lunatic or this old guy. I think they'll go with the old guy. By the way, uh, I don't have time to really take the deep dive on this one. Uh, definitely going to bring on our, he's sort of like our uh, show's economist, uh, Miles Conflassen from In These Times. But uh, the story I saw, the feds are raising interest rates. Uh, so clearly they're willing to risk a uh, recession to bring down inflation. Uh, that's clearly the strategy of Monroe. Yeah. How, I don't how mean, much did they raise it? I, I, I haven't heard that. I don't know. It's the highest. It three I, quarters or one. I can't remember how it was, how much, but it's the um, it's the highest rate 
increase, I think, in the last in this century, I want to say. Uh, so just to your point about the politics of the economy, we talk about that a lot when you're on the show. Obviously, the Dems uh, are afraid and well, Joe Biden in particular about uh, in the impact of inflation uh, on this uh, election. And they're willing to risk a recession um, in that uh, matter. So we're, we're not going to talk about that uh, at the moment, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, and then before we uh, bring on uh, Maya uh, Monroe, uh, Adam uh, Laxalt, uh, backed by Donald Trump, uh, defeated a man named uh, Sam Brown uh, in the Nevada Senate race. And he'll uh, go up against incumbent Senator uh, Catherine Cortez Masto. And Monroe, uh, Dems are afraid. Dems are afraid. Uh, so why don't you, you know, they got to hold on to that Senate. Uh, if they're, you want to nominate judges, if you want any chance to get rid of the filibuster, you got to actually pick up two senators. Uh, but just holding on to the Senate uh, is a scary moment. Uh, your general thoughts about this. I, I, um, it looks horrible right now. But as you know, um, Five months can be an eternity in politics. Mm-hmm. And one, one, one thing can happen that will change everything. And so that's my fingers are crossed on that. Um, as, as I've just mentioned a, a few minutes ago, um, the Department of Justice is going to start um, indicting Republicans who participated in this. And, and it, was, it was a plot, a criminal plot that we have going. And uh, we, know how, we, we know how many Republicans went to, to prison as a result of Watergate. And um, what, what, what happened on January 6th is Watergate on steroids. Mm-hmm. And so more Republicans are going to go to jail that um and a lot are going to be tarnished by it but there will still be inflation and so that's that's what we're going to have to see which which has more power yeah an unpatriotic republican or a um unlucky democrat because there's nothing anybody can do about this inflation it's no, ma- it's no magic bullet. I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, unpatriotic versus unlucky. Uh, and uh, it was three quarters of a percent. I just took a look. The, okay. Uh, no, see, that's not. Okay. They, if they'd gone, gone one point, then that, that would have been uh, rolling the dice on the recession. What they're banking on with the three quarters is, is that it's going to be like Goldilocks and the three bears. <laughs> But it's going to be just right. But we'll have to see. Uh, you know, Monroe, I've lived through so many of these. And, uh, I mean, I was thinking back about this. Uh, good God, I'm showing my age here. But I remember 1980 uh, when Jimmy Carter was the president uh, and Paul Volcker was the head of the Fed. Uh, and he really gave a shock uh, right. to the economy and brought on a recession uh, that benefited Ronald Reagan politically. And uh, lasted throughout the early part of Reagan's uh, term. Uh, 
And I remember the the anger uh, in Chicago by voters, particularly black voters, at the Reagan recession. Uh, It was a key uh, reason why so many voters turned out for Democrats in those midterm elections. I'm just talking in Chicago. Then it led into Harold Washington's victory. So there are political implications uh, to these maneuverings by the Fed. And they're, they're always trying, like you said, they're always trying to do it just right. You know what I mean? Try find that sweet spot. And it's such a joke because like the overall inequities exist in our system. Do you follow me, Monroe? It's not like it's just about reelecting people. You get what I mean? It's it's not about dealing with you no, know, it's 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 about money. It's even more than the reelecting people. It really is about money. Uh, the powers that be are the rich and the wealthy. And they don't want anybody getting in the way of their greed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're up against. Uh, and we're hoping that some of those rich and wealthy will take a look at this election and go, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm going to vote for the guy who's against democracy. All right. Speaking about being uh, against democracy, uh, the Russians have been holding a basketball superstar, Brittany Griner, uh, in prison since February. Uh, and Maya Goldberg Sapphire, who is a great Chicago journalist, has uh, been given the the assignment of being the Ben Jarowski Show's Brittany uh, Griner correspondent. Uh, I want to thank her uh, for taking on that uh, that task. Maya, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Ben. And um, yeah, so uh, Monroe said he wants to sit in and hear what you have to say, maybe throw in a thought or two. Sure. Uh, and uh, so I've been obsessively following this story since uh, Maya, since you uh, you came on last uh, time, which I think was about two months ago. Uh, but why don't you just give folks just a little uh, background on this? Uh, the, the, the charges against Brittany, Brittany Griner, who she is, why she was in Russia, uh, et cetera. So just give us uh, folks who may have missed the first show and may not be following this because it's quote unquote sports, uh, a little background. Okay. Okay. I'll give you um, sort of the primer. Uh, Tell me if I miss anything. So Brittany Griner is a two-time Olympian, WNBA champion, uh, one of the best women's basketball players in the world. Uh, She's six foot nine. She's been openly lesbian since she joined the WNBA and also uh, wrote and talked candidly about the fact that she was uh, made to remain closeted in college at Baylor University, a conservative Baptist university. Um, so she's always sort of been this uh, outspoken figure. She's uh, has a lot of cool tattoos. She's six foot nine, black lesbian, uh, who uh, has also done mental health advocacy. And anyway, she's 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 a cool person. And you know, just for the for the political folks who don't necessarily follow sports, no, she's a very cool person. And um, she's also a tremendous athlete. And she. Uh, like nearly half of WNBA players uh, has spent uh, or currently half of the WNBA goes abroad to earn wages playing basketball in other countries that they can't make in the United States because the WNBA doesn't offer salaries over $230,000. That's the maximum cap within the league. There are some other opportunities for people to make money, but nearly half the league at this point is still going abroad to make money in the off season during, you know, their limited careers as sports players, which will likely end by their mid thirties. So this winter, uh, the 
tensions between uh, the U.S., Russia, Ukraine escalating February. Brittany Griner is flying back into Moscow after like a two week break to play um, the rest of the season with the Russian team she plays for. This team, uh, which is called ECAP for short, is close to Siberia and pays some of the highest salaries to women's basketball players, American women's basketball players. It's like the hot place to play, or it has been, no longer. Um, And so she was flying back in when she was detained at Customs, and uh, it wasn't until a couple weeks later that Russian media released reports uh, that they had found, allegedly found, hashish oil and vape cartridges in her luggage. And note that they released a video of her going through customs um, and what looks like an FSB agent looking through her bag. There is no physical evidence that has ever been produced of the the drugs themselves, the alleged drugs. Um, But they released a mugshot of her, um, this video of her going through customs, And on March 5th, the whole world learned from this that, in fact, WNBA player Brittany Griner had been in Russian detention for three weeks, arrested on charges of, um, in fact, what the charge is, is is large-scale possession of uh, an illegal substance, um, which is an absurd charge in and of itself. Um, In any case... uh, that, that sort of like what initially happened, um, there was this sort of two-month period, month-and-a-half-long period where the WNBA um, and the person who's really calling the shots on all of this, I believe, is Griner's agent, uh, Lindsay Kagawa-Colas, who represents many of um, the most famous and progressive uh, WNBA players, uh, I think, as well as some women's soccer players. How is the agent calling the shots? The agent is calling the shots because she's been in touch with Griner as soon as Griner was pulled into a side room by Russian authorities. She is the person that... Uh, you know, gives advice and comes in to try to fix problems for all of these players at all times. And she, uh, I, I believe, I think there's evidence for this. Like she's the person who was, who's been with, uh, Brittany Griner's wife since the moment that this happened yeah. with her when they're receiving advice from the state department, um, and any U S government officials that, that her wife is put in touch with. So most, no one else who's been wrongfully detained has come with a sports agent. This yeah. is the only case. In which okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, okay. I see your point now. Okay. Yeah. Well, well Maya, uh, not that there's, I mean, anything wrong with the sports agent, uh, just on the surface, uh, like being a, a key advisor. But the last time on your show, you talked at length, and, you, and it was right after you wrote a really good article, in my humble opinion, uh, pointing out like the cone of silence uh, that had encapsulated the world of women's, ba- the world of basketball. And you pointed out, just imagine, okay. I will say this. I believe Brittany Griner is the greatest women's basketball player in the world right now. Uh, when I said that before the show, Monroe goes, Candace Parker? Okay, we can argue. That's a whole other conversation. But I'm just going to put it up. She's one of the five greatest. Let's put it that way, right? Just 
Uh, just imagine if the Russians somehow or other took LeBron James uh, as a political prisoner hostage. Uh, and But for that first month, and go into this a little bit, I think this is maybe a strategy that the WNBA and uh, the agent and their advisors uh, concocted. No one talked about it. And you went to the, the Women's Championship um, tournament, college tournament, and were asking people, this is, uh, whether what they thought of Brittany Griner, and they were just normal people in the stands were afraid. Well, can I say anything about this? I mean, people were censoring themselves, Maya, uh, as you pointed out, almost out of fear. And this is what I think was the orchestrated campaign. Uh, I don't know who exactly designed it, thought it was a great idea, but it does seem as though there was confusion in the ranks, uh, to put it mildly, and that support people who would normally be outspoken on issues of politics were holding their tongues because they were afraid that somehow or other was a, uh, a bad strategy to follow. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, 85%. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, no, you have it correct. That high? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that this, that this strategy, the cone of silence came directly from the state department. And I know that because I've interviewed other people in the wrongful detainment world advocates, people from the Foley Foundation, family members whose loved ones have been wrongfully detained, and they've received the same advice. This advice, I think, can make sense because most often when people are taken, uh, are, are wrongfully detained, they are not a celebrity. The case is not known, right? There could be a sort of diplomatic back channels arranged to get this person out of uh, you know, elongated, drawn out um, political pawn strategy. The entire point of wrongful detainment is that these foreign governments uh, take Americans into custody on bogus trumped up or false charges because they need political bargaining chips to extract concessions from the U.S. government. And they are desperate to extract these concessions Um and so they detain someone because of their passport more than any other element of, of, of anything. It's just that they uh, are a kind of currency that they can try to leverage. So at the beginning of these cases, sometimes there's a way to try to diffuse that behind the scenes. Um, I believe that that can be true. I, I, it's my belief and some others' belief that Brittany Griner's value was known to Putin and the Kremlin. You know, she is uh, the only six foot nine uh, black lesbian women's basketball player in Russia. Um, and everyone knows who she is. And when they took her, they knew exactly who she was. Um, and so I didn't really see the point. Um, I also the reason that that her agent is clearly calling the shots is that as the strategy has shifted over time, the campaign uh, to bring Brittany home the main campaign is led by Wasserman Group, the agency that represents her and is well coordinated and crafted um, and taken on by the Players Association of the WNBA, the league as a whole. Um, but it, it comes from the agency that represents her. Okay. Well, uh, you, you been, there are 26 Americans being held hostage in various foreign nations around the world because they it, it becomes their ace in the hole mm -hmm. one way or another. If, if they have somebody who did a serious crime, 
and they want to get them out of our prison, then they, they, they use that person as a trading card at the time. It's, it's very bizarre, and um, it's, it's, it's real hardball politics. It's really hardball. And I guess I have a question for the two of you, too. I think that my impression of why uh, the agent, the WMB, were so quick to take on this advice from the State Department is that this was totally unprecedented, really unexpected, and has that edge of, you know, international geopolitical hardball, hardball politics, hardball politics, far beyond the scope of anything that sports knows how to deal with, and definitely beyond anything that the WNBA has the power to stop. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, they were desperate, they were afraid, and they have also been really active in doing a lot of activism and some organizing in support of the Democratic Party. They helped to turn the WNBA, that is. The WNBA helped to flip the Senate, right? Yes. In Georgia, so, particularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say it again. In Georgia, in the Georgia Senate election. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I've had this question, this hypothetical what if this had happened when there was still a Trump administration, you know, in office, would they have taken that state department advice and had wow. such a deference to the advice that they were getting from the federal government? What do you, what do you all think? Like this is wow. very much the Biden administration that they helped to elect Yeah, that many of us helped to elect. Right. Right. I and that, and, and that black women in particular help yes. to elect. Yes. Uh, that is a great question. I'm going to take the first stab at it. The Monroe, you weigh in. Uh, more often than not, uh, you'll learn my Monroe will just take the opposite point of view, whatever I say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. bickering because together. I like to be right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I believe that part of the reason uh, the WNBA held back was because they had an alliance of sorts with the Democratic Party. And so it's like, this was the advice we're getting from Joe Biden. We trust Joe Biden, not literally Joe Biden, but his uh, administration. So we're going to uh, follow their advice. Or we don't want to do anything to embarrass the Joe Biden administration, which is also probably something in the back of their minds. Uh, they would have no restraint like that whatsoever about embarrassed, not wanting to embarrass uh, Donald Trump. And they wouldn't trust anything that Donald Trust Trump told them. Now, what I don't know, and I'll leave it with this, is whether uh, Putin would have made this move, such a high profile move of detaining uh, Griner when his ally or his surrogate, some might say, Monroe Anderson being at the top of that list, was in the White House. I don't know, Maya, if uh, he would have ordered. I believe personally that this comes from the top. I believe it's tr- this bogus case. I don't think there's anything they have on her. Uh, this is worse than the worst violations that have happened in the city of Chicago. Well, this is right up there. Uh, they, As far as I know, they haven't tortured into a confession. Uh, but uh, so I, I'm not sure if uh, Putin would have made this move uh, when his puppet was uh, in the White House. What's your take, Monroe? Oh, I think I think he would have. Um, uh, Trump is Putin's puppet, not vice versa. So he, he didn't care. Putin's, Putin, Putin is doing Trump a favor by not releasing the PP tapes. So 
<laughs> so yes, he had tro- total control over Trump, and still does. Uh, and plus, Trump still wants to put a, a tower in in in, in Russia. He hasn't Trump given up that dream, huh? Uh, I, no, he hasn't given up that dream. No, but so I, 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 yeah. I, and, and the thing is, what complicates this is that we're having a proxy war with Putin right now. And so um, she even becomes more valuable to Putin for that reason. Well, my, get it, get into that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What what do you think the initial response might've been if Trump was still in president, was the president and they had uh, taken her into custody? Do you think the WNBA and lefties in general would be speaking out, uh, demanding that uh, Trump take action to release her? Right. And Trump would have said, uh, we have political prisoners, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. And to be clear, the the campaign, uh, the main campaign, uses a hashtag, we are BG. They, they do have a demand uh, at this point for the White House, for Biden, uh, to bring her home safely. There's there also, um, you know, there's all these sort of like gradients of protest and disruption and how much you're sort of complying with or following the lead of the State Department in these kinds of cases. Um, and so I think that there is still definitely room for more disruption um, more, uh, uh, you know, humiliation of Biden in an attempt to get him to force him to bring her home, more actions that uh, could not be ignored by this administration or the State Department, you know, more escalation. I think that there's there is and should be that that should should be happening. I'm not the one calling the shots on the campaign. Of course, I'm sort of trying to figure out how to how to usefully critique it. Um but there is this sort of central demand because it is very clear to everybody that the only way for her to come home is for the White House to intervene. Well, okay, and to I that point, See, uh, I don't, I don't think the White House has any power. Uh, I actually, well, uh, let me just put this one out here uh, because uh, I think the White House does, and I'll, I'll explain why Monroe and get Maya's okay. response to this as well. I've been obsessively following this thing and. Uh, I know it's a certain degree of reading the tea leaves here, Maya Monroe, but uh, one of the uh, prosecutors, I think it was at Moscow or some official uh, in the uh, justice department. And I got that in quote uh, from Russia uh, indicated he mentioned the name of uh, a, uh, a man, a Russian man uh, whose name is, I got it right here. Victor Bout, Victor Boot, yeah. Boot, my apologies, Boot, uh, who is in prison here in the United States for arms dealing. And this guy, I remember when he was arrested. My, I remember the backstory to this. It's like something out of a, 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 a spy novel. Uh, this, he was an international arms dealer and he was involved with uh, all kinds of wars and all kinds of strong uh, d- dictators and tyrants and, uh, he got swept up and arrested. I can't remember how many years ago it was, but I believe it was a 25 year, I'm doing this off the top of my head, 25 year sentence. And he's in federal prison here in the United States. And this Russian um, official said, well, you know, he mentioned his name, Boot. Maybe we can cut a deal. And when, as soon as he said that, Maya, I go, oh, that's the play. They want to do a switch. Oh, yeah. They want, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to do yeah, a, no. a, a, a swap. That's what they call it. Right. Uh, you give us this arms dealer guy. 
Right. <laughs> and we give you Brittany Griner. Right. No, when I that I I spoke too flippantly. Yeah. Uh, as I said earlier, they're they're kidnapping these people as aces in the hole, and that's that's how she becomes an ace in the hole. So the Biden administration could give up the arms dealer for her. So they could do it that way, but they can't do it through any just regular diplomatic um, uh, shame on you, Russia. No, they got to cut a deal. Yeah. Uh, They got to cut a deal. They have to cut a deal that the State Department, the Department of Justice won't be willing to make necessarily takes that executive override from Biden himself to say, we're doing this. And that's what happened when Trevor Reed was freed in a prison swap on April 28th. Trevor Reed is another American former Marine who'd been in Russia for almost a thousand days, um, was arrested uh, and then eventually convicted and sentenced for endangering the life of a police officer uh, under incredibly shady uh, circumstances. The trial was called, you know, um, a sham trial um, a theater of the absurd by the American ambassador in Moscow. Um, and basically he had, what really happened was that he was drinking at a party with his Russian girlfriend and then Russian cops picked him up on the side of the road. They accused him of, um, uh, endangering the life of an officer by grabbing the arm of one of the officers and causing the car to swerve. Uh, and for this, he ended up, uh, I think I can't remember the sentence. I think it was like 15 years. It might have been less than that, but yeah, um, I think it was 10. 10. Yeah, you get 15 if you if if, if, if you mention that Russia's in a war. Mm. <laughs> That's when you get the really heavy time. Right, and so um, Trevor Reed, Trevor Reed's parents, and and Trevor Reed. You know, he he spent almost three years there. After about two years, they really escalated their their protest. He went on a hunger strike when he was still in Russian detainment. He was transferred to a psychiatric ward uh, where he describes horrific conditions. Uh, he's described these conditions since he's been back. Um, and his parents uh, were told that they were going to get a meeting with Biden in Texas where they live. Biden came to Texas and didn't show up for the meeting. So his parents, uh, Paula and Joey, went to the White House and they protested right outside uh, of the White House with cameras during the day. Biden drove past, made eye contact with them, saw that there was this military family that w- that you know had been that he had flaked on basically, and that they were protesting and ca- causing a ruckus on it. And he took the meeting. He got them inside. And a couple weeks later, I think in part, in no small part, due to the noise that they were raising, the embarrassment that they were causing, the alarms that they were ringing, Trevor Reed was unexpectedly freed via prisoner swap with one of the other high-profile Russian prisoners in the U.S. that Russia has been really wanting back, this guy Konstantin Yeroshenko. So Victor Boot has been on the list for a long time, right? Russia has wanted him for a long time. It's not new. And there's somebody else who's in Russia right now, too. Another former Marine, Paul Whelan, who's been there for over 1,200 days. In fact, Trevor Reed recently said in an interview that he uh, had learned that Paul Whelan had been detained in Russia. His bogus charges are espionage. 
closed door trial. Nobody was allowed in the court. Completely ridiculous. Trevor Reed had learned that Paul Whelan had been detained and almost didn't go to Russia, but had his uh, flight already booked and Mm -hmm. ended up going. So Paul Whelan is still there. And nobody deserves to be wrongfully detained in another country, nor here in the United States, right? The, what I've learned about how these swaps happen is there has to be some understanding of like a mutual value on either side, right? Like you are getting this uh, from us and we are giving this to you and they roughly equal the same or we've decided arbitrarily. Bye, Monroe. Oh, he's left him. I don't know why, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> he may have mistakenly clicked the button, but go ahead. Amaya. So I think that, um, I think that it's important to some extent on the Russian side that whoever they're giving up to the United States has been convicted and sentenced of their crime. And Brittany Griner is in detention. It's been 118 days now. 118th day today on June 15th. This is going to come out a little later, right? Um, so be no, it comes out today. So. Oh, it comes out today. Oh, 118 days today. Um, she has not been indicted. She has not actually been charged. It's under investigation. Uh, and they keep pushing back these hearings, pushing back and pushing back these uh, pretrial hearings. When a hearing does come, by the way, she's not going to be free. It's not like they're pushing back the, her detention so that they can then have a hearing one day and be like, okay, we're done now. Whatever hearing, if it does take place, is going to be to set up you know, this sham trial that's going to convict her and sentence her for a crime. She will be found guilty. It is coming from the Kremlin. It is coming from Putin. So, but in any case, because Paul Whelan has been there for so long, is already starting to serve this 15-year sentence when Roe is back. Yeah, I tell you, he just pushed the wrong button. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead, Maya, keep going. There is an argument to be made for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan together being exchanged for Victor Boot. Boot, okay. Uh, And too lopsided otherwise. So here's the reality. Uh, And by the way, I have to point this out. Uh, Maya sent me very early on, uh, just to give you a sense of the difference between the tactics followed by Brittany Griner supporters, or people you would think would be Brittany Griner supporters, and what the um, uh, Trevor Reed's parents had to do. Okay, just to give you, by directly confronting Biden at the White House. Maya, I don't know if you remember this. You sent me, uh, God, it just so irritated me so much. Not you sending it, but what you sent. It was an image from the Phoenix Mercury, uh, which is the team that Brittany Griner is the leader of. Uh, And she was not, it was like, the season's coming up. Buy your tickets. One of those kinds of images. And they had three players. And originally, uh, Brittany was one of them. And then they just didn't include her. And I'm like, when Maya, I, I just in so many ways I find that offensive. You, you know, like what? She doesn't exist anymore. Is that your official position? And 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 that was I don't know who thought that was a good idea to do that, but it was a really dumb idea on every level. I believe you got to learn from uh, Trevor Reed's parents. You have to keep Brittany's name 
alive or people will move on. And I just thought that was so dumb. Yeah. And that was the first month. So for the first, that is what was, that's not happening anymore. Yeah. They have her, (laughs) thankfully. Yeah. But we should talk about it too. Now they have a decal of her number and her initials on every home court in the WNBA. On most broadcasts, they will bring her up. They will talk about it. But for the first month and a half or so, maybe even until she was wrongfully detained, um, which I think the announcement came on May 2nd, uh, she was sort of disappeared from all WNBA um, marketing. Um, Actually, the first time I think they formally brought her up was at the WNBA draft. Uh, which was on April 11th. So it sort of shifted for the next part of April. But I mean, I also think that to your point, like there was never any question that the WNBA season or any, you know, sports, professional sports league in the U S would, would stop or pause or, or, you know, yeah, just mm-hmm. it's like, uh, refused to go forward in protest of what was happening. It was always assumed that the WNBA season would go on, the NBA, you know, season and playoffs and finals with barely any mention of her would go on. I mean, these NBA teams have um, recently started to speak out a little bit more, which I think is good. I also think it shouldn't take up the entire news cycle about Brittany Griner because who really cares what a couple of men are saying? They're not doing anything really. Um, they're not the ones who have been consistently trying to advocate for her. And even that consistent advocacy from the WNBA is chugging forward with, you know, they have a number of priorities beyond Brittany Griner. There is the priority of maintaining, uh, you know, this professional sports league uh, and the economy that it has. It might be an unsuccessful, you know, professional sports league overall, or people have many critiques of, of, of um, sort of the economics of the WMEA, but nevertheless, it's a for-profit, you know, sports league. And so I think that in part, now having Brittany Griner on sort of the tip of the tongue of the WNBA is a way of saying, yes, we acknowledge her. We stand behind her. We miss her. We believe the state department is now working hard on it, but it's not an active or elevated form of protest or disruption. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's you're, you're absolutely correct on that point. It, they haven't even come close to the place where uh, Trevor Reed's parents were when they directly confronted Joe Biden. All right, we're going to close by talking about this. It's a tough question uh, for you, Maya, because you're, you're a journalist, so journalists aren't supposed to give their opinions. We'll see how you uh, handle this one. Monroe, I know, will have an opinion. Uh, so do you believe that it would be counterproductive to American foreign policy, what principles to exchange a man boot who is convicted of crimes in an American system of justice where they had to present a case and he had a criminal defense lawyer defending him uh, to swap him for someone who was essentially kidnapped and held hostage uh, it, just so she could be used as a trading piece. Uh, I have my beliefs about this. Wondering what your thoughts are, uh, Maya. Sure. Okay, I'll give you my, my thoughts, and then I want to hear y'all's thoughts too, of course. Um, I'm curious what you think. Um, I mean, and I will say, I think I'm an independent writer 
who's been reporting on Brittany Griner, but I'm not going to call myself a, a journalist. And I especially, I think, like, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this stuff. I'm so hungry to talk about it with people. So I'm happy to, like, share opinions and be, like, talking it through. And uh, when I have the opportunity to, you know, publish a reported piece again, um, it will have gone through that process of fact-checking and vetting and making sure that all the sources are there. I won't just be stating my opinions in that case. Um, although I might also just write opinion pieces about it. But anyway, so the fact is that I don't know how to end this growing trend of hostage diplomacy. Monroe, you mentioned there are other Americans that are being wrongfully detained around the world. The Foley Foundation, James Foley Foundation, I believe lists the number as 59. And they have said that there are a number, I think, you know, over a dozen for sure, of these, of these cases that could be uh, solved or the person could be freed, the wrongfully detained American would be freed uh, with a prisoner swap. Uh, a prisoner swap that we know this other country wants is on, you know, is a negotiation that's in su- to some extent been on the table. It's known and, and we're just not doing it. We're not following through with it because of various concerns. I think there are, of course, political concerns, right? Um, so many things happen in Washington uh, because of politics or everything. Uh, I'm not coming into this with a background of studying that or following that, right? I am in a lot of ways sort of like a Brittany Griner fan, a women's basketball fan who never expected to be trying to like figure out the underbelly of all of these uh, government agencies and how they're connected and how to, how to work through them. So um like so many of these families whose loved ones are not political agents, right? They've never been in politics. And then their loved one gets detained and they're just thrown into this and they have to navigate relationships with different agencies and they don't care about the politics. I don't really care about the politics of prison swaps at this point. Maybe I will learn more. All I know is that that is what it will take to bring this person home. And if that, if this is a top priority for the State Department, then I think it should happen. I think that's the way to get her back. And I think there's a larger ongoing debate about how and if prison swap sort of uh, plays into future wrongful detainment cases. Um, I think that experts tell me that there are legitimate concerns, right, about the practice of prisoner swaps. I think that that is probably legitimate. But in this moment, every single day that she spends in Russian detainment is another day that the State Department, the White House, Biden himself, aren't taking drastic measures, drastic making this kind of ugly decision of a prisoner swap that is like Monroe said, exactly the reason why they took her. Yeah. And that's clearly what has to happen. Monroe, your thoughts. It, this is a tough one because on the one hand, if you have the prisoner swapped, then that's encouragement to find more prisoners for other things you need in the future. So you just grab Americans willy-nilly when they're in your country. You, you kidnap, kidnap them, hold them hostage, and wait until there's uh, an opportunity for you to make the swap. On the other hand, um, if, it, if it's your child or your husband or your wife, then that's a human being. 
and they've done nothing wrong. And so if their country can get them out of it, to you, that's the most important thing in the world. And so I don't, I don't know if there's an easy answer to that. In fact, I know, I know there isn't an easy answer. Yeah, there is no easy answer uh, to this one. But there, prison swaps are reality. Uh, wake up, people! It's been yeah, you going know, on forever. They've been going on. There were movies about them, books about them. It's been right. happening long before even I was born. <laughs> so old, you know, wait, wait, ben, let me say this: in the good old days, when there was the Roman Empire. <laughs> If you laid a, a harm one Roman citizen, then they would come into your town and kill women, children, everybody. So nobody messed with the Romans for that reason. So if we were to go back to making empires great again, we could always resort to that. Yeah, well, I don't think. Can I add one more thing too? Go ahead. Go right. ahead. Like. It is not the responsibility of the family of the person who's been wrongfully detained or the person that's been wrongfully detained to figure out these ongoing foreign policy issues and all of the ways that, like, in this case, Russia and the U.S. are entangled in, uh, you know, enduring war or conflict. Like, she should not be part of this equation in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um and it was, and what happens when they are trying to mitigate uh, the cost uh, or figure out how to do this swap in a way that's most politically beneficial or come up with, you know, other solutions, have other priorities that are affecting the outcome is that she stays there. She, she continues every day to pay the price yeah. um, of them not taking action. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I listen, I have, I just don't have any, I don't put it to you this way. Uh, Hostage taking will go on forever. It's a reality. I don't believe anybody just not swapping. So does not act as a deterrence in my humble opinion. You know what I mean? It's like all, all. So you got to, you know, take a look at how long, what, what it's so bizarre, Maya, because like what it comes down to, and this isn't really getting reported. Uh, you, you, Monroe, and I have taken this deep dive, but the level of reporting that we've done is so beyond like anything that was in the New York Times on this. Okay, uh, but when you talk about like trading uh, Brittany Griner for boot, and okay, we'll throw in uh, the Marine uh, Wyland with Paul him, yeah. Paul Whalen. Yeah, and uh, it's so. In other words, it's like sports fans talking about trading players. It's so bizarre. You know what I mean? It's the same mentality. All right, we'll give you this one. But th- that's the reality. That And so uh, get Brittany home and tell every woman in the WNBA, don't go back. And don't tell, go back the NBA, tell the NBA to figure out how to pay women uh, oh, a more God. equitable uh, level. Absolutely. Promote your WNBA. That's how you get people in the stands. By the way, Maya. Is yeah, a, I, if anybody, fan. if if any listeners, you know, want to go to Chicago guys, Chicago Sky game sometime. Um, I'm down. And uh, yeah, I think the WNBA in a lot of ways is really fun, and uh, I like watching these these women's players. They're more interesting to me than the MNBA, as we call it. 
Yeah, you know, I <laughs> heard that. Why, why do you think so, Maya? I mean, from your perspective. Because I'm, I'm not much of a basketball fan, period. So, so I'm not uh, being dis, dis, uh, discriminative against women or anything like that. Why is a, the women's game better, more in, entertaining? I'm just coming from a place, I think, of generally uh, finding women to be, uh, on the whole, like, more interesting than men. Uh, uh, And not that gender is binary, but we're talking about a much more nuanced range of emotions that women are able to uh, demonstrate, including even when they are playing sports, right? Like, there can be multiple emotional truths at once, (laughs) Um, which can be true for men too. I'm not saying that like that never happens with men or that like all men are boring or whatever. But I think that like more that generally um, like women celebrities uh, and especially athletes can make more interesting choices if they are allowed to, they've often not been allowed to, but they have an emotional range as competitors, as teammates, as, you know, sort of like fiercely expressing themselves. Um, and 20% of the WNBA was out as, as queer at the beginning of this season, right? That's more than any other league. Uh, I think that's fascinating and cool. I think a lot of the changes that have been happening in the WNBA start at a grassroots level. I think that all athletes should be more politically uh, aware, um, curious, uh, and I think that more than other players, the WNBA players uh, have have like political questions, concerns, and are thinking beyond sports, and then bringing that sort of political lens back into sport. I don't think that like. They, I mean, clearly, I feel oftentimes really critical of the gatekeepers of the WNBA, especially. And I have sort of questions about how the league and its players are continuing to evolve. But I think they've started to do that kind of work of like reaching beyond sports. Um, And I think that's really exciting to watch and exciting to watch the players push the league forward, too. Yeah. And uh, by the way, that was a great line. I I have I must confess I'd never heard uh, anybody until you just did it. Call it the M N B A, which I think I'll pick up and use. Uh, uh, all right, uh, Maya, thank you very much. By the way, Monroe, I have to tell you, she's very modest today. But back in the day, Maya was a hell of a high school basketball player, point guard. Oh uh, really? Yeah. So who'd you play for? Who'd you play for, Maya? I grew up in Oakland, California. I went to a little private school. But shout out to my dad, Flushing Red Devils, Flushing Queens. You know, he was a he was the only kid who gave his report card to the coach. Apparently, <laughs> as instructed. Uh, uh, so where yeah, I learned basketball from from Benji. Yeah, from her I, her dad. I have a I have a granddaughter who's growing up in Oakland right now. <laughs> Yeah, if I and if I have anything to do with it, it should be playing basketball in about two years. Uh, but I, I have nothing to do with it. Monroe is not in the basketball, uh, Maya, and as such, uh, he will ignore what I'm about to say. I urge you, Maya, I said this already, breaking away from politics uh, and international diplomacy to watch Hustle, Adam Sandler's newest movie. I, I can't tell you how much I loved it. Uh, uh, the basketball sequences are fantastic. Some of the best basketball sequences I've seen in a movie, and I then I, I I did a little geeky deep dive, Maya, and I read like the the director and the cinematographer talking about the different techniques they employed to get that feel. Uh, the trash talking 
Anthony Edwards, who plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves, plays the bad guy in this movie. Uh, and he is so compelling as a bad guy. Guy's got a great feature. So shout out to Adam Sandler. And I urge you, maybe the next time you come on the show, we'll do a critique of Hustle. Uh, and uh, along with an update of Brittany Griner. Monroe, for you too, even though you're not a basketball fan. Uh, I am a movie it. fan. It's, I, I love good movies of all types. Yeah. Did you watch Uncut Gems? I can't remember the last Adam Sandler. No, was on I, that. Okay. I not. That's, that's on my list to, to watch. Well, that uh, sir- I, I, I did watch George Carlin. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Yeah, We'll talk about that. Oh my goodness. The George Carlin uh, documentary on HBO. Unbelievable folks. Fantastic stuff. Maya, thank you so much uh, for being on the show, taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank Uh, you. And of course the great legendary Monroe Anderson, uh, uh, every Wednesday in the Ben Jurassic show. I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Maya Monroe will tell you, uh, back home in Alton, they call him uh, Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. Keep yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. 